Hello, hello. If you've got a kink for ink or a penchant for pens, you're in the right place. Welcome, welcome, scribes and scribblers. You're here with the nib section recorded live. Maybe not live. God, I'm terrible at this. Bring back Chuck. Let's have a hashtag. Bring back Chuck. Bring back Chuck. Bring back Chuck and get Sharon off the mic. Um, I'm here again with the inquisitive quill, the pencyclopedia himself, Leo Fock. Hello, hello. I'm Sharon. You know me as the... I used up all of the really good puns last episode and Chuck didn't write copy for me. And this is why we need to hashtag bring back Chuck. Good Lord, what a train wreck. In, in my defence. Can I give you a nickname? Sure, knock yourself out. Decimator. The de- <laughs> so, um, So I've just come off a really uh, fascinating... Let's call it Sharon's Decimo Journey 2019 TM Pending. I think that's what I've been calling it on Facebook, at least. Um, I, and when I say, like, Decimo Journey, as in this particular uh, trip, I have bought many a new pen. I have bought eight new Decimos mm-hmm. with potentially 20 on pre-order. Listen to our last episode uh, to get why. Anyway, so uh, this is our uh, Japan Pen Ramblings Part 2. I don't know what we're going to call this. I'll I'll give you one in a few minutes. We wait in great anticipation. So, again, we're still in... uh, So Leo and I are still in Japan, and um, the great uh, Keiko-san organized a pen meet Mm. for us, an international pen meet where we had people from all around the world attend. And um, I had the great pleasure of interviewing Mr. Bruno Tort of, can you say the blog name? Because I tried practicing this in front of the mirror and just didn't work for me. Stilophilos.blogspot.com. So I said this in my intro to the interview, which we will, uh, um, which we'll share. And he cut me off before I even got past a stilo. So because that's not the actual... Uh, okay. Blog name. It's Chronic. Oh my God. Chronicus. It's not part of his. Bruno, I don't care about what what you you have it titled, but I, this is a uh, this is a syllable pronunciation of the name of your blog. Okay, Bruno, you heard it from Leo, not from me. Um, <laughs> uh, so we had the well, I had the opportunity to sit down and have a bit of a tete-a-tete with uh, Bruno around a bit about his blogging, his fountain pen journey, um, and if people have not visited astilophilos.blogspot.com, which is the chronicles of his fountain pens yes. in English, um, highly, I highly encourage you to have a visit because it is one of the most factual yes. um, blogs around about all things Japanese fountain pen related. Correct. He, it is a treasure trove of information about Japanese fountain pens and not just the big three. Mm. Um, and it's historical, vintage, modern, everything in between. Um, this was the guy who told us how much the new Sailor Nagin, Sailor Specialty Nibs was going to cost mm. before anyone else and made our jaws drop at the price, yes. um, amongst other things. So thank you, Bruno, for sharing with us, uh, for giving us your time and sharing your thoughts with us. So I'm here with Bruno Tort from his blog, a quite well-known blog, Astilophilos. The the title of the blog is uh, Chronicas Estilográficas, is Pen Chronicles. Estilophilos is just the... You, uh, how called the internet name, but uh, I, my, I always t- uh, speak about it as Chronicas Estilográficas, Pen Chronicles. And it's a name that I can't pronounce at all, so you'll have to forgive my extremely poor pronunciation. But thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, my pleasure. I am really honored to be featured on your, on your um, uh, podcast. 
Thank you, thank you. Um, so maybe, Bruno, if I can trouble you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your history, uh, how you got into fountain pens, and perhaps how you started uh, your chronicles of your pens online. All right, okay. I'm... I'm a Spaniard, uh, expatriated in Japan for quite some time, uh, about, I don't know, more than 15 years now. That might explain a little bit of uh, what I might say now, which is, well, pens, fountain pens were never alien to me, and I think it was a relatively common object at my parents' place. Uh, not that in Spain uh, fountain pens are required to learn to write as is the case uh, like in France or in Germany but it was not an unusual object at school or at high school and I did have some some pens at that time but it was never a passion it was just a utilitarian object Uh, I always was always writing with them now and then not not systematically and then in arriving in Japan I I said, mm, uh, what's going on in here about fountain pens? Uh, not knowing anything. And then I ran into the pilot mu. Uh, and, and that really, really uh, attracted me. I said, I need to have it. <laughs> it was, uh, I still think that this is one of the most beautiful pens ever made. Which version of the pilot mirror? Well, well, the basic one, the still one. The, no, no, I, <laughs> the basic one, the, which I think I think is is, is 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 the most beautiful one. I mean, I mean, of course, it's less rare, but, but and some people might say, well, it's so common. Okay, no, uh, rarity and beauty are two different categories. So, and then I got it. I I I got that pen. I bought it here in Tokyo. I even, at that time, they were not that expensive in Tokyo. And I remember, I know that I have given that pen as a present to several friends of mine. Uh, I say, look at this, keep it. It's like, really? I mean, this is so unusual. <laughs> what was the original ticket price on that? The first one, I bought it for 6,000 yen, which I don't know in Australian dollars, but uh, it's like 50 euro. <laughs> So not a big, uh, <laughs> not an expensive pen. Not at all, not at all. <laughs> and it was that uh, new old stock. It had never been used, never been in. Uh, then at that time, no, that was, I don't know how, how long ago that was. Okay, years later, I spent uh, about a bit, less, a bit less of a year, uh, of one whole year in, in Spain working. And I, together with a friend, we spoke about writing a blog. And that's when I started, uh, well, I started after I returned to Japan. In the very beginning, my blog was not very well um, focused. But little by little, I understood that the information on Japanese pens was very scarce in any, well, even in Japanese, but much more in English or in Spanish. I, I always say that I am fond of Japanese pens by mere proximity. You know, it would be a bit silly and expensive to be fond of German pens being in Japan. Because there's a premium. I mean, this is what, uh, the, the, the Siberian tax, you know, like, you know as, 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 the, as the pen flies over Siberia, the, 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 the price tag increases about 30%, 40%. Um, being from Australia, we have an Australia and Siberia tax, so we're very familiar with that. <laughs> you know that. So it's not, necessarily, it's not always easy to find information in Japan, but certainly it's not easy that if you are in Spain or in the States, uh, looking for information on what what pen is what, and that's basically the the genesis of why I started writing the blog. I mean, first of all, it was a way. Well, it was an excuse to to use the pens. <laughs> I always make the first draft with a fountain pen, and and at the end, the last picture of my blog of my entry is always the pen with which I wrote that text. Uh, so it was an excuse to to use the pens, and that's that's it. I mean, then. 
you create the connections, you join some groups, and you get you keep on asking questions, you keep on reading, and here I am. <laughs> That's fantastic. So for those who haven't actually visited uh, Bruno's blog, uh, one of the most famous articles that you have on there is the Tokyo pen shops, which ones to hit, the pen shop guide, and that is probably the first place that a lot of people who visit Tokyo just for pens will visit because it has a it has one of the most comprehensive lists of where to go for pens in Tokyo, including some of the not so well known places. Because aside from your blog, I think there is one other very old website that you can visit, written by uh, Ross Ross Ross, Ross Stutler, and but that was dated 2004. I think very very old. Half of his stuff is all closed down now. But yes, so what made what gave you the idea to compile that type of list? In a sense, I wanted to to update that list of Russ Stutler. Uh, I think I did it for myself, <laughs> but I wanted to, to, to update it. This is a difficult list to keep updated, <laughs> I must say. And in fact, I think I have to make some amendments now. Uh, but it was basically to have, my, to have a clear idea where I should go in search of what. Uh, now, the sad conclusion is that after all those, I mean, I don't know how many shops there, is, there, are, in, in, there are in this list, but out of all of them, I think I visit half a dozen. <laughs> because what you do not find in there is very difficult that you find anywhere else. And so with a lot of your pens, what are you leaning towards these days and what are you seeing personally? Lately, okay, I think that that changes with time. There are two... Okay, there are two things, or there are several things. First of all is that at some point you realize that you do not have... You do not have to have one collection, but several collections, right? So in this... Then what, what am I collecting purposely? Capless. Uh, but I feel quite happy with what I have. I mean, there might be one or two that in the, if, if the opportunity appear, presents, I would buy. Uh, then integrated nibs uh, like uh, Pellet Mew and uh, related uh, similar objects, <laughs> similar pens, uh, I still need to buy the Parker T1, T, T1 from 1971, but, well, I mean, I'm not in a rush. <laughs> okay, music nips. And my latest interest are, and this is the least pen, pen thing, is Urushi. Not, not Makie, but Urushi. Urushi coated pens. Uh, there are many. Actually, in Japan, there are, there are many. And of course, I well, of course, not of course, but I lean towards uh, a bit old pens, not not particularly those being on production nowadays. So I'm not that interested on Nakaya. Uh, not that I don't like, but not that interested. But I would, I really look look uh, for Ban A pens, Sakai Suke pens, or um, some old. Uh, Pilot pens with Urushi uh, or any other brand, or I don't know, uh, some obscure brand with no name that, that has some Urushi. So this is more of what I am I'm interested on. I had my time, which uh, a time in which I was really passionate about uh, pocket pens. I think that is, I do think that is one of the most interesting Japanese ideas in fountain pens. Uh, Pilot Mew is just one example, but not uh, the most uh, popular. By, uh, and then I have a big collection of, <laughs> of pocket pens because here in Tokyo it's really very, very easy to find them in flea markets for, I don't know, a couple of dollars <laughs> in whatever, whatever the unit you want, whatever the nationality of the dollar. For a couple of dollars you can find some sailor pen. Yeah, okay, a bit rusty or a bit dirty, but you know, you go get home, you put it in water, and two days afterwards it's, uh, it's working nicely. You know? So I had the pleasure, and I'll upload a couple of photos um, online so some other people 
can gawk over these pens, but I've had the pleasure of touching the most beautiful uh, Raden-finished um, Urushi pens uh, of Bruno's. And since we were just on the subject of Urushi and music nibs, one of them had an absolute crazy four-tined music nib. Um, would you be able to tell us maybe a little bit about that particular nib? Because that's just amazing. Well, uh, the first time I encountered this nib was about a year ago in the hands of a Chinese collector. Uh, This Chinese collector uh, had bought uh, some old bodies, some old bodies by Banei, by Sakai Suke. And there are a number of bodies out there who, of the, of, by this manufacturer that never went into to be sold. They were not sold, and they had some uh, nib implemented uh, on them, uh, Henkel nib. And but that that doesn't belong to to that to that pen. Then she took these pens to Kubo Kohei, nib master Kubo Kohei, an old nib master in in Tokyo, and. She asked him to put some interesting nib on those pants. And the interesting nib was this four-time music nib that is quite uh, quite crazy. So I took I had a chance to, to see those to have those pants in my hands and I took some pictures. That is all published on my blog. Uh, and, um, and I said, okay, well, this is, this is my one and only chance to have, uh, to, 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 to see this. <laughs> well, now, that's by coincidence, um, I got in touch with, with Kubo Kohei by some other, by some friend, some friend, and, and, and I have this pen, this, this four tiny nib on a, on a pen of mine. But it's just alone. So this is this nib is not mine. I'm just using it for a while. <laughs> Borrowing it just for a bit. Just for a bit. <laughs> but uh, uh, not much more I can say. <laughs> and what about this pen itself? Because this pen looks like. I can't even describe it. Um, it looks like one piece of shell that's then been inlaid into stripes into a very, very beautiful body. Well, this is a, uh, this is a, a new company. Uh, okay, the story is as follows. Uh, there is this, uh, this uh, guy in, in Tokyo whose hobby, uh, well, among others, but whose hobby is to, to make rather pens. So to decorate pens with Raden. He has been doing this for about 10 or 15 years. And uh, he was doing his work, his decoration, mostly on German pens, Mont Blanc and Pelican. And he was selling them here and there in Tokyo in the local pen scene. And then finally he has decided that this can be a bit more professional or more stable. And he is selling now these pens under a, under a brand name called Iwasu Seisakusho. These pens, and then this company is now selling, let's say, two types of pens. Custom pens, that is Pelican and Mont Blanc decorated with, with uh, Raden. And then there is a small number of original models by by him I mean uh, so this pen you are taking pictures of is is called the N model and um, the body is uh, the leftovers of the production of a company that went under in 90, early 60s called Ishishoten and the brand was Yotsubishi by the way Yotsubishi pens are really valued nowadays in, in Japan but they are very difficult to find but this is just the body the the, the, the the core of the pen is this ebonite body by Ishishoten. And then Mr. Iwase found these bodies and created his magic, his rather magic. And then he asked Kubo Kohei to make the nibs for these pens. So it's a Ishishoten body with Iwase Raden and Kubo Kohei, Kubo Kohei nib. So I have one of those, and I could, uh, Mr. Iwase uh, 
offered me the chance of trying the music nib of Kubo Kohei that fits in the same in the same uh, section. So for a while I will be using it. And what a nib it is! It absolutely gushes, and I'm not personally. Um, probably well known to the listeners that I am not a fan of square edge pens music nibs and the like um, it doesn't just doesn't suit me but this is a beautiful nib it's so smooth it's so smooth it's it lays down ink like you would not believe and the four tines the four tines they um in certain angles and pictures they don't actually look uh, aligned but as soon as it hits the paper it's just magic well okay um i, I want to be critical of kubo of kubo kohei in this case mm, yeah because i think that the the, the nibs that i saw the three music the first three music names that i saw by him uh, on those pens of this Chinese collector were a lot better made. And they are a lot more regular. That the, the iridium on each of the times is a lot more regular than on this case, than on this particular unit. Do I forgive him? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm sure that this is not easy to make. His means of production are very old-fashioned. Uh, he's cutting them, holding the nib with his hands. So I'm sh- I, I'm sh- it is not easy. What do I have to take also into account? This man is 88 years old. <laughs> and I think... Uh, I, I, well, I wish I was at 88 half the feet as he is now. But, <laughs> but I find it very difficult. Kubo Kohei's production is very old-fashioned. It's very... Very artisanal. So reproducibility is not the big point of, of, of his. Now making a standard two slit uh, two time sorry one slit two time nib might be very easy for him and he had to do it in like a, <laughs> like that like you know while sleeping. But but a music nib of these characteristics is certainly not the case. Uh, so in this regard, the pen writes beautifully. I I, I agree, but uh, the manufacture is not the best. Yeah. So I'll, I'll try and get some photos of the nib itself. But um, it let's just say the nib is while a delight to use. It's probably not the thing that your eye gets drawn to on this particular pen. And so, uh, are these pens currently available to the public or just by request only? Um, I know you mentioned there were some which were the end model that you've got here and others which are all custom jobs. And I'm going to see if I can grab Mr. Iwase in a sec as well. Um, I might ask him that question. But, um, yeah, do you happen to know? These pens are for sale. I mean, Mr. Iwase is selling them. Now the main mechanism is uh, an Instagram account. Uh, the Instagram, I think, is Iwasise Sakusho. Is that that is the name? Through that, uh, um, you need to contact him on on email, and then he will send you the information that that you might want. Uh, yes, as you were saying, let me add that the, the, that that the custom that the custom the original models are the end model that you have taken picture pictures of, but there are uh, some some pens that are unique models. This is not a model; it's just this pen, this unit with this raden with these colors, and I think there are four or five of these pens. Uh, of course, the price are not <laughs> particularly popular but uh, but I think that you can find some of you can take some pictures of, of, of some of them here I think and so uh, what do you think the difference is in the Japanese market for fountain pens compared to that of Europe and America and do you experience a lot of um, that through your blog and the type of articles that you publish does it influence the type of articles you publish knowing where the majority of your readers are coming from well one of the problems of my blog and, and, and don't take it as a complaint is that the very little feedback I receive uh, I, I I really would like to receive a lot more feedback to know what people were interested on I mean I know I have some very faithful commentators uh, but other than that is very I receive very very few comments 
So people, let's uh, let's keep those comments coming. <laughs> oh, well, I, I would appreciate them. Uh, a friend of mine told me that I don't give much room for comments because I'm very factual. I tend to be, okay, this is the way it was, and, uh, to the best of my knowledge. And uh, I'm quick to, to correct my own words if I find that they are not correct. But it's true that it might be true it's been so factual then it's what can I say I mean facts are facts <laughs> you are not there for, to, to agree or to disagree now you, your question in fact is two questions no? I mean the first yes, one <laughs> the first one is what is the difference between the Japanese market and, and let's say non-Japanese market uh, don't have an easy answer to it but okay Japan culturally speaking I, I dare to say that it's a place, a country where there is a, the coexistence of technologies from different times is an everyday thing. So you might see women with a beautiful kimono that they might be very old kimono with a cell phone on their on their belt on their on their outfit. I mean, this is, might be a silly example, but it, that that might symbolize this whole thing. No, the old kimono with the K-Tai, with the cell phone. Or people, you are using cell phones, but you still see at the exit of train and subway station some, some blackboards where people would write messages for people whom they, uh, with whom they have to meet. It's like, sorry, I will, I'm in this bar or I'm in this, this place wait, uh, or something, so look for me in that place. In the place where, in the time of cell phones, that is absolutely, <laughs> it's almost irrelevant, <laughs> but it's still there, right? So, in the case of pen, that means that people have been using brushes historically. Fontaine pens arrived in the beginning of the 20th century and they joined the ranks <laughs> and then they started using mechanical pencils and then they started using ball pens. But that doesn't mean that they ignore or that they put anything else to rest. So, one interesting thing of Japan is that nobody is... is Surprise when you hand him a fountain pen. I say, I, I need to write something. Can I write, Can I use your pen? You you give them a, a, a fountain pen and they grab it correctly and they know how to write with it and they don't become oh fountain pen. <laughs> now in the industry, I think that Japanese pens, at least some let's say ten years ago. Had the quality of the pens were superior to almost anything else anywhere else. Okay, so it was very difficult that you f to find a pen that didn't write well straight from the box whenever you bought you bought it. So a Pilot, a, a Platinum, uh, the, the three big ones: no? Sailor, Platinum, uh, and Pilot. Straight from the box, it was very very rare that it didn't write. And they master the art of polishing fine nibs. You know, fine nib is always more difficult to write smoothly, and I think that they they have mastered that. They are unbelievably good in that regard. Another element I would say is the the extreme care that they take with with nibs. I think they immediately uh, the big three really uh, are very open to speak about their nibs. They say, okay. A uh, pilot has 15 different points in the size 10. Like, nobody can compete with that. <laughs> Sorry, nobody is competing with that nowadays. Uh, platinum is a bit less. I mean, it's less. It's 7 or 8 uh, nip points in the 3776 series. Sailor had the most interesting nips in the market. And now, well, they're still there, although they have increased the price. So in that regard, in any case, that 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 is a world in itself within Japan and there are no companies outside Japan competing for that uh, most likely the opposite Pelican has reduced the number of their nip points uh, yeah okay you can get a bespoke uh, nib on some Mont Blanc but it's not exactly the same as going to the shop and this, give me a music nib so here you have <laughs> No need to worry it. Here you have it. No? That makes the Japanese market very, very attractive. Very, very attractive.
So do you think that a lot of the focus has been directed more towards perfecting the nibs in the Japanese market rather than doing, say, what the Italians are doing, which is focusing also uh, on innovating new and weird and wonderful designs, um, such as what you see coming out of Panida, Visconti, Montegrappa? Um, yeah, I think I agree with that. I think that that might be the case. Um, in fact, for, for many years, people overseas said that Japanese pens were very good, but they were very boring. <laughs> Yes, a lot of black pens, a lot of silver pens, and a lot of gold pens. And a lot of cartridge converters. And it took them a while to implement self-filling pens, self-filling mechanisms. And in fact, platinum has not done it. <laughs> platinum is still, I mean, platinum has been very consistent with that. Uh, they say goodbye ink bottle in 1956 or 57. And since then, while well, there was one and a half exceptions to it they have not made any any self-filling pen uh, but that's a different story <laughs> different story in the sense that okay yes the Japanese pens might be boring in that regard but they're very exciting in the nib I think they're still very exciting in the nibs and so if you think about uh, 2019 and this will be your X number of years in um, collecting pens, what are you excited for in 2019? Okay, that means that I should be paying attention to, the, to modern pens. And, uh, no, it doesn't have to be um, modern pens, but what are you excited for in terms of your, uh, where your collecting or your accumulation may take you in 2019? Uh, well, I think that this time is, let's say, there is some routine in, uh, on it. Uh, the excitement comes from finding some unusual nib and some unusual pen. I keep on, I keep my eyes open for music nibs, and now I look for music nibs from the fifties, made in Japanese uh, music nibs from the fifties. There are some um, platinum nibs. Uh, the, the, what is called the Palladium series in around 1955. And, I mean, if I find that music nib, I would be very, very happy. But I think that looking, maybe I'm misunderstanding your question, but, uh, but I think the excitation should be more, I mean, those, I, we know that that exists. Okay? Uh, the excitation comes from what is new and what, or what might be new in the market. And, and uh, I'm very excited. Recent, I have been very excited recently with uh, with the customer pen by Pilot. Uh, this big, big. I love, love, love. Still haven't committed to one yet, but soon, soon. <laughs> okay, this is the right time to buy it. Uh, I look forward for small pen operations in Japan to take to. To take off, to really take off. I think that Masahiro is making very interesting pens. Masahiro, uh, and I wish I wish him all the luck in taking off, uh, in in really making a reliable production that would allow him also to reduce the prices. I wish Eboya and Stilwart Karusawa were kept their business active and making more interesting pens. Uh, I like Eboya pens a lot, but they are at the end cartridge converter. I mean, beautiful ebonite, very beautifully cut ebonite, but cartridge converter. And I wish they, they move forward. Lord um, Karwisawa made some interesting customizations. If he could move beyond that, that would be very, very, very interesting. That is what um, I find it interesting nowadays. Uh, outside Japan, uh, well, uh, do you collect outside of J Japanese pens? Well, not really. <laughs> but I have my eyes open for Oma's pens. <laughs> oh, you should talk to my friend Costa. <laughs> Uh, well, I usually I usually go to the. Okay, what, what is the problem of this? Okay, I live I live in Japan, but I I, I try to go to Spain uh, at least once a year, and I try to match it with the Madrid pen show. So to buy European pens, this is not the place, but Spain is the place. <laughs> uh, Madrid pen show is now the biggest pen show in Europe. 
and that makes it very very interesting place to be. And it's a three-day event. And there are traders from all over Europe and the U.S. And there are a couple of, well, a couple, there are three or four Italian traders that are very difficult to resist. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my only non-Japanese craving that I have now. I had some Spanish craving at some point. There are a couple of Spanish pens. In the history of pens, there are a couple of Spanish brands that are worth to look at. But it's a very limited world, very, very limited, so not... <laughs> Thank you very much, Bruno. Two last things. Firstly, what are you writing with? What are you currently writing with? I'm currently writing with this pen that you have. Uh, it's a, a, a prototype of Iwase that... Uh, okay, in this operation that he was making pens without and selling them in a very regular basis. Uh, he created this pen with a silver ring. You can take a picture of if you want. And it's a, nicely decor- a, a very nice raden, not very flashy. And, well, it's just a nice pen that writes quite nicely. And this is my now my, my most uh, used pen this week. <laughs> okay. And do you have any recommendations? Doesn't have to be pen related. Anything at all? Would you like to recommend? But uh, recommending what? <laughs> Anything. Open slate. Recommend. <laughs> we usually have a recommendation section for listeners who tune in, just to get recommendations outside of pens, because we we have lives outside of pens, apparently. <laughs> My recommendation? No, it, I, I, oh my God, that's very difficult. This is the hardest question yet. The hardest question because it's like what I like is not necessarily what you might like. So, what I like is probably not what most people like. <laughs> well, I'm very fond of uh, of cooking and of eating, so I indulge in some good meals uh, now and then. So. A recommendation for you is to to explore the the food culture in Japan and in Tokyo in particular. There are many eating in Tokyo is not expensive. I mean, it can be as expensive as you want, but it doesn't need to be. And the food is excellent. So my recommendation is uh, yes, go eat some good. Even if you want French food or Italian food or Spanish food, there are very nice places in Tokyo where you can indulge. All righty. Thank you very much, Bruno. Thank you so much for your time today and for sharing with us um, so much of your thoughts and your beautiful pens. My pleasure. As, as I said, I am honored by being featured on your, on your podcast. <laughs> thank you, thank you. All righty. So... Japan obviously has quite a varied history mm. when it comes to fountain pens. And I've, I've definitely learnt a lot this time round. But uh, you, Leo, you've already had quite a bit of experience and are a bit of a, as we mentioned, a bit of a walking pencyclopedia. Small one, yes. Thank you. Yes. So um, tell us a bit more about vintage Japanese pens. So vintage Japanese pens are the first fountain pens in Japan were from like the west so you have a lot of Onoto and Swan uh, that came over to Japan but eventually like Japanese companies uh, started to make their own uh, there were a lot of them uh, many of them have not survived the decades but a few major ones include uh, San Esu which is the SSS brand uh, you might have like the really old ones like Oliver's and like a lot of unusual names. Um, Romeo? Romeo. Oh, Romeo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of the early bookstores, stationery stores also did their own, such as Marozan, uh, department store, Takashimaya, uh, Mitsukoshi. They all sort of dabbled a bit in fountain pen production as well. And that's been going on for like over a century. So you have a... Like, if you were to ever delve into, like, Japanese fountain pens, even though it's shorter than the West, there's still a lot to hunt down, explore. 
And so one of the things I've definitely seen this time round is the emphasis that's placed on Japanese vintage craftsmen or the specific craftsmen who make um, uh, Japanese pens. And it's not just one particular company. It's actually a particular person by name. So there's one person who does the body. There's one person who does the nib. There's one person who does the finishing. And they're all – it's not this is a pilot pen. This is a pilot pen with the body made by X, the nib made like by Y. Pilot group pen. Yes, absolutely. And there's so much emphasis placed on the individuals. Um, d- can you tell us a bit about that? I think, okay, so, so this is a very poor explanation, but, but it should suffice, which is even like in modern day Japan, there is a good, uh, in this, like a lot of businesses which are what, what, what might be constituted as like small in like small businesses. Uh, we're talking about maybe like five to 13 people or even less. And, each of these members in a group will do a lot, like will be very good at what they do. And so the most famous of that is, uh, there are many names of this, but we usually call them Ban A pens, B-A-N hyphen E-I pens. Uh, And this was a group of, I think five people, including Sakai Aisuke and uh, uh, Ginjiro Kabutogi and a few others. And, and they were all basically one one guy lay, uh, turned the body, one guy did the uh, nib, one guy did the feed, another did the urushi, uh, another guy did the eyedropper filling system, and so from around I think eighties, definitely eighties and nineties for sure, uh, they churned out many a pen in a Japanese eyedropper style, around the size of a one four six to one four nine or so, and they were all Japanese eyedroppers. There are a lot more uh, because around this time, so so what we like to do is, is the, the easiest way to identify like the this period of pens, which is around seventies onwards, uh, is by a nib code. Uh, everyone who made a nib, like like this, is after the JIS standard was introduced, the Japanese Industrial Standard. Um, it's just like uh, a, a, a not necessary, but Unnecessary, but just a government official seal of, of approval saying, hey, this is a, a Japanese-made nib. And every nib maker had their own nib code. And so you can catch them all with nib codes, with, with all these small companies uh, and, and all these codes for different nibs. Very dangerous if you've got a bit of a Pokemon syndrome. Um, and so I, I think... And maybe it's just my awareness of them, but these have really started to um, have a resurgence of late. Is that right? Or am I just seeing them for the first time? Maybe. I've... Maybe. Like, 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 they've definitely been... It, it's definitely been known in Asian communities for the past, I, I would say, like five to ten years, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like, we have... There are old photographs of of photocopied pieces of photocopied pieces of paper with nib codes and and like companies that get shared around all the time on Facebook. And so um, I also had the opportunity to interview Mr. Iwase of, and I'm going to butcher these, this name as well, uh, Iwase Seisakusho? It's Jaijokso, so it's, yeah, like a like creation company. Iwase, Mr. Iwase from Iwase Pens. Um, and he talks about, uh, so one, he does beautiful Raden pens. Again, uh, uh, I've had Raden overload and I love all things sparkly and colourful, but uh, I've had such Raden overload this time around. But Mr. Iwase does Iwase Pens Raden models where he actually takes older bodies that Leo had mentioned from, done by these masters and uh, nibs done by Mr. Kubo, Kubo-san. Yes. Kubo-san. Kubo-san. And uh, he does after, well, it's, hard, it's not really after market anymore, right? Um, his, uh, his own series of pens yes. are um, lacquered with Raden on it, mm. on original bodies from 1980s. 19... 80s? 80s? It's, uh, so some of the bodies he was using was... The... They mentioned uh, Yotsubishi bodies, which f- 
if I were to explain this really quickly in like 10 seconds, Mitsubishi is the car company with three diamonds. Yatsubishi has four diamonds and is a quite a well-known smaller uh, Japanese old Japanese paint company. And they're using those bodies to put the Urushi and Raden on. And so, um, yeah, Iwase, Mr. Iwase lent me his time and we have a quick clip with him. Uh, so I'm here with Mr. Iwase, who Jose mentioned earlier is the creator of the most amazing rod and custom pieces. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Iwase. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, my name is Iwase Junichi. I'm making a laden, uh, all, uh, mainly Raden pen. And the other, I'm now running a uh, chinkin and Japanese uh, uh, special technique uh, uh, in Urushi works. I was uh, mm, uh, during uh, almost uh, 40 years um, Urushi, paint, Urushi painting. Uh, uh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then maybe I was uh, maybe 40 years. Maybe I was 40 years. Um, I saw uh, some pelican, maybe one, one on five, or the total, total show. Total, total show. M800. Uh, no, no, no. M100. And maybe brown, brownish one. I saw, I saw them. I, it's uh, in the stripe made by uh, plastic. And then I think uh, about it. And then the the stripe is uh, better than uh, plastic. And shell is a very good material for the pen, I think. And then I I will try to make. Uh, like like uh, pericapen. Then uh, I I costed uh, almost uh, two months, and I can uh, prototype uh, uh, like um, pericam M hundred pen. And then it's uh, um, I'm thinking uh, uh, I think it's better than the original one. <laughs> Absolutely, and I've I've taken a photo of this one already, and we will share this photo online with our listeners. Uh, when you see it, you, you will think it's better than the pelican sunlight and moonlight. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. May, may, I, may I talk our true things? True things? May, may I talk? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, sorry, uh, I'm, I'm broken, broken English. Uh, sorry, sorry about that. And, and then um, sometimes I, I, I want to show the pen, the another professional uh, pen user or pen professional. No, no. Um, uh, uh, yes, pen uh, Especially uh, in the shop, shop, shop master. And do you know maybe in the shosaikan? Uh, and Mr. Uh, Akahori san, Akahori san, Mr. Akahori. And um, when uh, I did appoint appointed uh, him uh, to, I want to show the uh, that as uh, kind of new Raden pen. Uh, he's very interested uh, about that. And then uh, I promised to uh, appointment. Uh, I did appointment to him. I and I showed the this pen to him. Uh, he's very surprised that um, th- th- this is re- really um, a pelican. Uh, I should I should show to the pelican <laughs> company. <laughs> I no no it is absolutely not. I said I said but but but, but sometimes he brings my pen to the pelican Japan. And then pelican Japan did not 
make this like this pen. Yes, yes. It's 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 uh, completely illegal. Yes, <laughs> oh, I agree. And then then I cannot uh, sell uh, in the Shosaka. Then uh, I'm thinking about it. Oh, it's uh, I will sell I will sell the myself my horse. And then uh, in Ginza. Um, Remosha. Do you know Remosha? Do you know Remosha? So a second hand store. Yes. Yeah, yeah, second hand or the new new one selling. Yeah. Um and then I bring the my pen this uh I lent or consignment it was on consignment to this store yes. the, then oh maybe a, a week and suddenly you serve the pan <laughs> then continue uh, almost the 20 pen uh, almost sold then I was very surprised and two years later to show the my pelican pen to Sosaika Mr. Akahor-san suddenly um, presented uh, a kyoko gekko made by pelican it's almost my design almost my design and almost my, my color it's almost the same uh, but uh, then then um, they are they are high 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 uh, yeah yes um, my my pain is a raw price and uh, which which is which is, which do you like as someone uh, I asked him uh, um, absolutely this pen no no sign uh, this pen is uh, better than the pelican pen <laughs> it, it's 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 uh, my very good experience in my life that's all. <laughs> And now I understand you're also doing custom work as well as your own pens. If um, people want to reach out and get in contact with you to make one of these beautiful pelican, not quite rod and pe- not quite pelican official, uh, pelican illegal pens, but very very beautiful, how do they get in contact with you? Uh, please email me uh, or the Instagram. Um, and Iwase Seisak Show uh, is the best, best way to contact me. Excellent. Thank you very much. So, Kubo Nibs, I have heard a lot about this time, and I have handled uh, a number of them. I have handled a ginormous, I want to say it's a size 50, size 50 Kubo Nib this time round. And these these nibs are something else. I like not a single one of them is the same. Mm. Mr. Kubo also did um, the four-tined music nibs, mm. and they're all very innovative <laughs> designs. Do you own one, Leo? I wish I owned one. Oh. So tell us about these Kubo nibs. So Kubo's 90-something now. He's been making pens for a long, long time, like both bodies and nibs. Uh, I think what he generally makes now is a lot of, uh, when he's still can do he has a lot of nibs um and these can be like size size 50 100 150 doesn't matter too much but he's been doing a like making a lot of nibs and even in his 80s and 90s he has still been innovating on nibs and um i've tried his nibs Mm. i I, i'm out of words to explain what the writing experience is like it's unlike anything Mm. i've ever tried before because each one of them has a lot of character each one of them is different Mm. i mean it could be the same type of nib but every single one of them feels different in hand they're all fantastic to write with but um not they're all very very individual Mm. it's like they have a life of their own Mm -hmm. um i don't i'm explaining this very terribly actually it's quite difficult because like uh you know handmade different weather conditions and, and so, <laughs> <laughs> sun comes out of the east today. Yep. You know the clouds are milling around, and therefore it's a good condition. The to sparrows make it. chirped, and he made a happy, I don't know, cut for for for, for time. You know, 
Yeah, something like yes, that. Yes, and, and so each one is slightly different. It's organic. More organic than like a pilot which writes great, but they all write great in the same way. These all write great in slightly different ways. That's a really good way of explaining it. It's organic. Maybe that maybe that'll be the title of this episode. Um, anything else interesting that you've seen this particular time in the vintage space? Because I mm-hmm. have um, completely fudged up again. Hashtag bring back Chuck. Um, completely fudged up because I forgot to say what we were writing with, and I was going to share my excitement in my second almost vintage pen purchase which is what I was is what I was writing with um so let's just do that here yeah, sure. uh so I have I picked up this time round a Mont Blanc 220 which is a Mont Blanc from the late 70s early 80s mm-hmm. in a brushed finish feels like macrolon but I'm sure they can't actually call it macrolon yeah um yeah, and this was my first, uh, as I said, the first semi-almost vintage pen that I've ever bought. Yeah, it, it's a really nice pen, and I picked it up for a bargain price at a flea market amongst a tray of ballpoint pens. Yes. Yep. What about you, Leo? What are you riding with? Uh, on this trip, I have discovered discovered a love for the Parker Big Red remake from the 70s, which is actually a ballpoint Get out of here. We're revoking your pen license right now. Thanks. So it, it, it's a pen that most pen people reach for when they open my wrap because it, it looks orange and, and, and dual foldy in a vintage sort of way. When, but when, as soon as they pull it out, it's just plastic. It was a very cheap plastic remake, I think back in the 70s. And uh, someone gave the entire set of colors to me. I, I think they found it like in, on, on a street store. And I put in uh, a modern Parco rollerball refill in like medium, which is like a 0.7. And I've been using it to sketch my, my, my travelogue while, I'm in, while I've been in Japan. And it's been a very enjoyable experience. You've also picked up another interesting, um, not quite vintage, but a ballpoint pen this time around, haven't you? Oh, right. Yes. I got a capless ballpoint. Uh, for, <laughs> it's just as weird as it sounds. It looks yes. just like a regular vanishing point, mm-hmm. except when you click it, a nib doesn't come out. It's it's a pilot. It's a proprietary pilot. I don't even know what this is. This is ballpoint refill? Gel? B- BRFN30F. So, guys, you know the code if you want to send Leo some refills for his weird pilot. Like, like usually when when non non pen people pick up my my, my cap list, they are surprised to see a nib. This pen, but when, 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 when pen people, people pick it up, they're surprised to see it's it, it's a ballpoint. They're surprised to see no nib. No nib. Yes. Yeah. What other cool things have you uh, stumbled across this time round? This time around, uh, since we're talking about vintage, I did see, um, so one of the many patterns that Pilot has used on their pens of the many, many decades has been the dragonfly wing urushi finish, uh, the, the, the Sere Nuri. And traditionally, traditionally, it has come in black and red. Uh, so the only reason why is he's so offended by this is that we saw in a brochure at uh, Mister the King of Stationery's house yes. um, a blue version yes. of this particular pattern. What? Yes. Don't know. Some no, I don't, and it and it wasn't aftermarket. It, 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 it was a pilot brochure. It was labeled as a like a normal model. Anyway, so traditionally they're they're black and red and uh, and blue and yeah. apparently blue. <clears throat> uh, I think the coolest thing was seeing um, various generations of the dragonfly from all the way from like the 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 previous generation of custom custom style to deluxe, which is uh, slimmer, uh, and then the the dragonflies on the L type. Hard to explain, doesn't matter. And then finally, on a very tiny super body from the fifties. The tiniest, tiniest drag, like like tiny. 
it's a tiny metal pilot with the old pilot clip and an even tinier nib, but it has a dragonfly pattern. And so all of these dragonfly patterns, are they they're a maquillé finish, or how is it done? Uh, I don't know what the word for it is, but it's basically when you have the, the, the gold pattern on a liquid surface and then you put the pen underneath and draw the pen up to apply the surface wing pattern onto the body. And so all these bodies will have a sort of like a line on the body where where the the pen has left the surface and the and and like the water um creates a small and like 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 a very tiny waterfall line where uh, the pen has been pulled out of the water. Mm. And uh they're all lacquered finishes? Yes, it counts as maki and arushi. And I, I was fortunate enough to see these particular pens as well. And the thing that struck me about them is that even though Pilot officially has these in uh, a black Urushi base finish and a red Urushi base finish yes. um, and a blue, which we uh, uh, which I didn't no, see in person, no, no. Um, the red one, like not a single one of these pens had the same red color base, yes. uh, red is, there are very liberal interpretations with what <laughs> red is. Yes. So the oldest one I saw was very orangey, but then the other two, there are other two which were more like red and darkish red. Hmm. That would just come from what different lacquer being mixed or maybe, how? Yeah, maybe different lacquer mixes. Maybe it's been exposed to oxidation or UV over time and, and some of it has degraded lighter i haven't i don't know we need to buy a few nakayas and, and, and put them in time machine just, just to see what happens to like red lacquer over time i have a kuro tamanuri mm-hmm. that is over is about 10 years old now and it's lighter okay yeah i'll take the explanation yeah but then that was meant to fade <laughs> it's a star that's meant to fade <laughs> oh, I don't know. yeah so, so that, that was pretty cool um not so vintage uh, at a pen meet, one of many pen meets, I saw uh, two and a half cool pens. The two and a half, two and a half, because C- one counts as a pair. It- it's uh, one of them was the pilot 80th anniversary Shijin for God set in black, and uh, also the red uh, Urushi version. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the model that the current. Uh, Yukari Royale sized ones are based on parts are based on and also I saw a Sailor 95th anniversary which is a Rialo King of Pen uh, so again this is a note for Chuck this is the pen that you should be getting <laughs> so th- this is the only officially recorded King of Pen with a piston filler and that's why it's cool and rare and in demand and hard to find. Did I see these pens or was I just asleep at the wheel? Um, you were busy working. Ah, I was asleep at the wheel. Okay. Alrighty, and that pretty much brings us to the end of our uh, Japan Expedition 2019, a.k.a. Sharon's Decimo Journey 2019 trademark pending. Um. Thank you very much for joining us here, Leo. Thank you for letting me come on. All righty. And before we let you go, um, because you have a flight to rush off to, yes. what's your recommendation for our listeners? Uh, my other rec- recommendation is pretty recently, and by recently I mean the past year or so, Tom River has come up with a notebook. Not a, not a paper pad, not loose leaf, but a notebook with like 300 odd pages. And it feels very sturdy. It's around A5 size and... Has dot grid. Dot grid, which is very good. And you should all try and find one and try it because it is... It, it feels very good in the hand. And do you have one that's not pen, paper and ink related, Rack? Not pen, paper, ink related. Uh, No. <laughs> It just gives up. It just gives up um, because there is nothing outside of pen, paper, and ink. Alrighty. Um, So, (laughs) it was really sad because my recommendation was also going to be paper-related. However, 
However, I am going to put in a recommendation for mochi, fresh made mochi, <laughs> which I ate last night, and it was. It was a very delicious, a very refreshing, and quite a traditional dessert.、Um, I think you can actually get mochi overseas. So it's a sticky rice flour, glutinous rice flour,、um, and this one had red bean、um, paste inside, and I think they were mung beans on the outside. It was mixed in with the actual uh, rice uh, flour itself. Anyway, mochi was absolutely delicious. Also, if you're in Kyoto, Kyoto, buy some of their furikake. So furikake is seasoning for rice. So you boil a bowl of rice and you add some furikake seasoning, and you just have that on its own. It's delicious. Not even kidding. <laughs> it's just it's seasoning flavoring for rice. Kyoto does really good ones, and I've bought a couple of bags with me. Alrighty, thank you once again, listeners, for sticking with us this trip. Sticking mochi. <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there. And yes, our next episode we will hashtag bring back Chuck. Yay! Past and future episodes of this podcast can be found at thenibsection.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hop onto iTunes, rate us, review us, recommend us to your friends. Want to share your thoughts, suggestions, feedback? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thenibsection@gmail.com. You can also comment at us at the Nib Section Facebook page or at the Nib Section on Twitter and Instagram. The Nib Section is the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Our producers this episode were Sharon Zar, Diana Dai, and Leo Fock. Recording and editing. Was done by Sharon Zar and Diana Dai. Our special thanks to Bruno Tort and Mr. Iwasesam. Our music was composed by Michael Pierce. Our logo was designed by Will H. Smith with artwork by Melissa Graff. Thanks for listening. <laughs>